Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Hello and welcome to this Wessex LMCs podcast. Today we're talking about International Medical Graduates, or IMGs as the uh, general NHS acronym goes, um, and how it feels for international medical graduates coming to the UK. Um, I'm joined by some professionals here, doctors, who we're going to ask to introduce themselves now. Um, I'll start with Alex. Alex, if you could introduce yourself, please. Uh, Yes, thank you. Great to be here. I'm Dr. Alex Morgan. I'm not a medical doctor, though. I'm a doctor of international communication, uh, which is very pertinent and relevant to our discussion today, I think. Excellent. Thank you so much. That that means you're a real doctor, as opposed to our next guest, of course, like me, who's uh, a doctor of medicine, Sharjil. Do do we want to introduce yourself? Yes. So uh, uh, thank you so much. I was so great to be here. Uh, so I am one of the international medical graduates, um, and currently I'm working as a GP partner in Weymouth and Port uh, Weymouth. Uh, so it's the Bridges Medical Centre. Um, uh, I part of my job is um, I am also Wessex LMC representative for Weymouth and Portland. Um, currently, I am a fellow, as near to peer fellow uh, for NHSC, and I am also first five representative for uh, Royal College of General Practitioners for Wessex faculty. So uh, just a few things. Um, but yeah, uh, my main job is I'm a GP partner. I, I work for four days. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Very much. Shadjil, that sounds like you might be keeping yourself a little busy. I'm not sure if your family ever see you, but um, as is often the way. So uh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, my name's Will Howard. I forgot to introduce myself at the beginning. I'm one of the medical directors at Wessex LMCs. I'm also a GP and a GP trainer, and I have experience of working with international medical graduates as a trainer. And what what is fascinating and one of the reasons that I, I wanted to be involved in this podcast is the amount I've learned as a British medical graduate about the way in which we are kind of almost expecting as a profession, um, a population coming from abroad to fit into our systems and understand them immediately. And um, how I have worked with uh, trainees who are international medical graduates and how the impact of our system affects those people. And and I think it's really important that we try and publicize our knowledge and help everyone understand the situation that international medical graduates find themselves in. I may use the term IMG from now on because clearly I'm struggling to pronounce it effectively on each occasion. So Sharj, what's your perspective about being an IMG? So um, I think it's it's great that when we come over here, we get a lot of support and there's a lot of help available. Um, As an IMG, I think there is a big change uh, when you come over. Obviously, it's a new country, new culture. Uh, there are a lot of things that, that as, as a new person to the country, you have to learn. Um, specifically, there are uh, things regarding the language. So sometimes, uh, like when I came over, um, I knew English, but then speaking English in English country was very different. Uh, and a lot of things that we were saying in country uh, uh, back in my country that was not relevant anymore especially learning about how to say things how to ask for things that is very different and that can be quite useful uh, 
Similarly, knowing the culture can be quite important because there is a significant change sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's absolutely fine, but sometimes there is a massive change and then knowing that can be quite useful. Um, um, but but yeah, so I, I personally feel that there's a lot of, um, there has to be a lot of um, collaboration between so if if you are if we are a trainee, there has to be good collaboration between the trainer and the trainee, um, and knowing each other is quite good. So if if we can introduce ourselves before we start, um, it can it can go both ways for both trainers and trainees. Uh, it can just break the ice. It can become quite easy to um, integrate. It can becomes quite uh, useful to know each other before we we actually start. Um, so yeah, so I think from my point of view, I've had a really good time. Um, there was a lot of help and support available. So I would strongly encourage whoever is kind of listening to us that there is help and support available. People like to know you. So do, so if if we, if I am listening to it, please do introduce yourself. Uh, let people know about your culture, where you have, you know, you have lived and stuff like that. And it can be quite useful to, uh, to kind of get the conversation going. Fantastic. Uh, it's really interesting you say it's good to get intros, good to get to know your team, which is great when uh, you are able to. And I think that that is a positive bit of advice is trying to get to know everybody, know the people around you. Um, some people are less confident and we need to make allowances for everybody involved in this type of situation. Alex, you've done a lot of research into international living. From your perspective, what are the added issues that you've come across for IMGs? Yeah, my, my in my research, it was um, so my research was was placed in international organisations where teams work collabor collaboratively together, uh, you know, across international uh, boundaries. And um, what what a lot of what Saj is saying actually is quite familiar. So, for example, um, <clears throat> we were just listening there about um, the desire to want to share your background, to want to share things about um, who you are and your culture. And that came across absolutely loud and clear in my research that uh, people, whatever their background, want to be able to share that with each other so, so that the whole experience of being together becomes richer. And that might be really straightforward things like sharing uh, sharing food from your culture. Um, and, you know, there's certainly at work, you know, people love to share food, don't they? It's a kind of cultural thing that crosses all, uh, all nationalities and all countries, I think. So, you know, people love that kind of thing where there is that really informal moment where you're just sharing something, piece of information or some food or drink or whatever. And then it, it feels like that act then gives people permission to to chat and to ask more questions. Um, but what came through loud and clear was that people want to be able to do that. They don't want it to uh, to for their own backgrounds and cultures to be ignored or glossed over. They they want to bring it and. And then what happens then is that the team is more, is richer, you know, it, it's, it is genuinely richer from that diversity. And there's, as, there's a lot of research that proves that in the diversity, equity and the inclusion world. 
One of the things you said there is is that people want to talk about things, and I think it can be very difficult to have this conversation. A lot of uh, practices, a lot of our population don't know how to have this conversation, don't know how to, how to open it. I think your advice of talking over food is a great starting point. It's a bit like the age-old British culture of let's have a cup of tea and we can talk it through. That's a very British thing, but actually sharing food, that that's just furthers that British culture um, and makes it an international language, really. Um, we started talking about language. Um, language is a barrier that is often thrown open, especially by patients, but also by colleagues. Um, Sharj, tell me about any challenges you've had with language and any advice you can give IMGs and any advice that you can give to practices and practice managers and GPs training IMGs. Yeah, so language obviously is the most important thing. And when, so I normally uh, kind of tell a story that when I came to the UK, uh, I went to buy some apples and when I went to buy them, um, I bought them, paid money, and the guy kind of held the bag in front of him and just didn't let the bag go. And then somebody said, uh, so he said, can you say, please? And I was quite taken aback with that. Why do I need to say please? Normally when we just go to the shop, we just say, give me an apples. So that's what we used to say. Um, and later on, I kind of figured out three magic words. That is... Uh, please, thank you, sorry. And I, I actually had no idea that it, how frequently they are used. And when I was traveling on the bus, everyone was saying, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I was like, why are you sorry? <laughs> why are you sorry that much? But that was, I'd later, I, later on, it was so obvious that it is out of courtesy. It kind of diffuses the whole issue. Even if it's not your fault, when you say sorry, it just kind of takes away the problem completely. And similarly, uh, when you say please, the whole response changes. And it's not just in the UK. I've, I learned that in the UK and I used that in other countries and the response completely changed. So these are very good things, but sometimes when people are coming over from other countries, they don't know that how, how useful they are and how frequently they are used. So that is one of the things. And second thing is I completely agree with the food bit. So like in the UK, we talk about climate. Okay, so we, we talk about uh, what weather it is today. In other countries where the weathers are very kind of consistently hot or consistently cold, they use you know, generally food as a starting bit. So the icebreaker sometimes is just food. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that, that certainly suits me. And I think that would certainly suit most GP practices as well, where pretty much every practice has a food corner or a place where we can certainly share that. That's uh, even better news. Alex, as I say, you've got this experience um, of, of the language and the cultural diversity that those language barriers can sometimes be a challenge to. How can you add um, to that? Uh, yeah, well, the um, language and culture go hand in hand in the sense that, you know, if we just pick up on Sharjah's point there about the, the the little words like please and thank you that for us show politeness. Um, in other languages, those those words are just not used as much. And so that we can then misinterpret people's behavior um, when they don't use those 
the words that we are expecting to hear in certain contexts and we can misinterpret it as rude or impolite. Um, but, but it isn't. It's just a difference that that those kind of those small words i'm just using you know charge's example those small words are often just not used as much um but it's not there there will be alternative ways in those different cultures to show politeness and kindness so um so you know there there, there are those linguistic and cultural difference that, that differences that are linked, you know, there's a link basically between language and culture. But other examples uh, where linguistic matters can get in the way are uh, in the British culture, for example, we use a lot of idiom, a lot of idiom. So we might use phrases like, oh, she was so funny, she brought the house down, or um, or we've missed that opportunity, the horse has bolted. Uh, um, and I know, Sarge, you've got uh, a story about spend a penny, haven't you? Do you want to, do you want to tell us that? So, uh, yeah, so one of my colleagues, uh, he was working in elderly care board and a patient who need to go to the toilet, uh, she came to him and said she wanted to spend a penny. And he was very surprised. It was late in the night and was thinking, why does she need to spend a penny? And he kept saying, well, you can go to the shop tomorrow and spend it. Uh, but <laughs> obviously the nurse helped and she said, well, she just needs to go to the toilet. It kind of resolved the issue. Uh, but yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's one of those. It, it's, a, it's a great example of such a simple phrase. And it's only when we look at ourselves closely in the mirror uh, with our own British idiosyncrasies that we, we, we really realise our own cultural um, norms that have become norms simply through use and, and simply through uh, commonality that mean that we just use them all the time. We don't even think about it. And to then enter this conversation separately without being used to them, without having seen them in their, in their cultural uh, background actually makes us makes us really realize what we're doing. I'm just interested, how, how do you, um, Alex, you may be best to answer this. How do you think if someone like me, I would be best as a trainer to advise a GP who I'm helping understand those cultural norms? How would you suggest I advise a GP trainee on communicating better with patients to understand those norms? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I think th there's two sides to the story. You know, there is the um, the GP trainee who is learning the the linguistic and cultural ways, um, and then there's also people like you, Will, that are helping them do that. So I think there's there's two sides to this coin. So if we look first at people like you, Will, that are are helping. I would say, uh, look, which you've just alluded to, you know, look at yourself, hear yourself. Um, and when you find yourself using idioms, which are those collection of words that describe an idea, um, stop yourself and just use the words to actually describe what the idea is. Um, and that will be much more inclusive um, and much easier to understand. That said, you know, that as um as we've just been talking you know the the patients won't have 
that little bit of training that I've just given you, they won't have that opportunity. Um, and so they'll still be using these phrases like spend a penny. Um, and so eventually the IMGs do have to learn. They have to, you know, have a um, have a dictionary, if you like, of phrases and idioms that are useful uh, to them. And so I would say that that people can help them by, number one, just watching their own language so that, that it's easy to build relationships and get information in, in the first instance. But secondly, when they do find themselves using an, an idiom or a, a piece of jargon, that's another uh, example, that they actually stop to make sure that uh, that their colleague doesn't actually understand. Um, one thing to know also about British idiom is that they're very generationally specific. So my mother and my grandmother might have used spend a penny, but my daughters definitely wouldn't. You know, so they're very generational and they can also be quite regional. And I, I've fairly recently moved from the south to Derbyshire and you know I'm here having to ask people what they mean when they say certain things um so I think it's about being very aware of, of the language that we're using in the GP practices and being trying to be helpful and inclusive but also as we bump up against it I would say to the IMGs keep a keep a little dictionary keep a little list and if you don't know ask um, and it's absolutely fine to ask. Excellent. Thank you so much. I'd like us to talk a little bit about um, culture and the way in which these changes in culture um, may impact IMGs, how um, these cultural variations will actually impact somebody. You mentioned earlier, Alex, that they, the emotional and the stress levels that can occur. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, and I'm sure in a minute, I'll, you know, I'll hand across to Charge in a minute too, because I'm sure you've experienced this. But um, I mean, I, I've lived in Belgium and Germany, and uh, on both occasions, you know, the first few months were extremely stressful, and and it's because we actually don't know the way things work around here. You know, there is that soft definition of culture which is it's the way things work around here and there there are a lot of things that in our own culture we take for granted and we don't notice them until we're in a different culture um, or until somebody from a, a different culture arrives into our culture and then points them out to us um, and another little phrase about the culture I like is that, you know, a fish doesn't know he's a fish until he jumps out of the water, you know, because we just don't, we just don't take any notice really of our surroundings and how we do things. But they are very culturally specific to, to our family, to our background, to our country, to our region. Um, and, uh, and, when we are in a different culture, it can be extremely stressful because we are on hyper alert to try and notice what it what is it that's different. You know, even the ways people cross the road, you know, that's different. The way people order drinks, that's different. When we go into a restaurant, do we sit and wait or do we go to the bar? 
I mean, to be honest, you know, most British people don't know that, too. There's always that minute, isn't there, when you arrive at a restaurant, we think, what am I supposed to do here? So if you can imagine that feeling of what am I supposed to do in this restaurant and then times it by a hundred, a thousand, you know, that is what people feel like when they are arriving into a new culture. So, Charles, shall I hand over to you to tell us a little bit about how it felt for you? Uh, yeah, no, I, I guess you're absolutely right. There is, to start with, there is uncertainty. Uh, how should I approach things? Uh, the biggest thing which I found to start with a bit difficult to understand, but later on most useful was queue system. So when I when I came over here, the queue system where I came from, it, the queue system did not exist. So you just go to the counter, ask for stuff. But then when I came over here, everything was a queue. Bus getting on the bus was a queue. Going getting a coffee was a queue, um, and it is really useful, very efficient. But to start with, I had no idea. And then sometimes I would get strange, you know, people looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> but then you, gradually you learn about it. But then I guess if you have got a little bit of information about it before you come over here or as soon as you have landed in the UK, it can be really, really useful to know that the queue system is the most important thing and we should really follow that. Similarly, um, knowing that some somebody is talking about weather all the time it's not that they're really interested in weather <laughs> they are, they're just trying to kind of have a chat with you just have a you know just to know you a little bit more and that is just a starting point it's just a icebreaker so um so yeah so that 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 is the second thing which i noticed and the third thing is i mean people are really open to you if you are open to them uh, but if you don't talk People will, won't just automatically come and start chatting with you. So it's, sometimes it's, it's good to, you know, say hi, start talking. And then the people around you feel like, okay, this person is a bit more open. They, they want to talk. So they are happy to talk to you. But they become a bit reserved if, if you are a bit reserved. So you're not really talking to them. Then it becomes a bit, you know, very quiet situation. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think generally people quite like to talk. Um, I started learning about the stuff when I was standing in the queue for, you know, when I was picking, dropping kids to school or picking them up from there. That was the most, you know, useful thing because uh, they, they would tell me, okay, what's happening at a school, what's happening everywhere, what's happening around us, what are the events happening in the park and stuff. It was very, very useful. Uh, but then these are little things you learn where you are. And as international married graduate, um, learning these things outside of work is very important. Then learning things or learning culture in the GP surgery or in the hospital is paramount. Uh, so knowing about that can be quite useful as well, uh, just before we start. Um, so, yeah, so I think there are, there are a lot of things. These are just the top bits, but then uh, <laughs> but you kind of yeah. learn things as we go along. It's kind of a, an, uh, an exhaustive list, really, isn't it? I'd like to move this one, if I may, to the slightly more difficult topic. Some people find it a little difficult to discuss. Certainly, um, the English will probably find it difficult to discuss. And that, that's about religion um, and whether some uh, practices, practices as employers, will find the discussion about religion an awkward conversation. And especially when it comes to religious holidays. Charge, you've mentioned um, some religious holidays to me before and, and how they may impact you and your work as a GP. 
I guess uh, th- that is a big part of IMG because uh, obviously when they are coming over, it is happening automatically. But then when they come over here, um, we have to kind of plan. Um, and um, so I, I am a Muslim. So uh, we have got this Ramadan where you have to fast for about a month. Um, and it is it changes every year as well. It kind of goes 10 days back every year. So again, then you have to plan and then there's a festival at the end of it. Uh, so it's all about planning and then f- advice for IMGs and for the GP surgeries is that asking them what they actually do or uh, so if, for trainees, if they are in the GP surgery, it's best for them to kind of let them, uh, let the staff know that the month is coming and uh, obviously we will be fasting, but when at a particular time you will need to open the fast uh, or break the fast, um, uh, th- that can be useful for the, the staff to know. And similarly, staff knowing that obviously if somebody is, uh, you know, um, not drinking tea or coffee, uh, it's not that they are kind of being disrespectful. It's just that they are fasting and <laughs> they are not going to eat and drink. So, sim- so basically it goes both ways. Similarly, um, this is just from the Muslim side, but then there are other festivals as well, um, which as long as they are planned, uh, so you can take time off, you can form the team, and it can be quite useful um, if people know that it's going to happen. Um, yeah, but knowing in advance is the most useful thing, I think. Excellent. And, and you're talking from your perspective um, as a Muslim man. I think it's important that we transpose those thoughts um, to any religion and to other places in the world, um, understanding the cultural diversity that's out there and ensuring that we as employers, but also we as colleagues and friends of the people that we're working with actually acknowledge and respect that um, uh, role. Alex, do you want to add anything about religion and how we should approach that well, um, it it circles back to uh, to what we were saying earlier about just building relationships and talking. Um, and this is, you know, both of you have alluded to this as well. That in my research, it came up time and time again about can we just have a conversation, please, about um, our backgrounds and our culture and also what then therefore that means in terms of our our needs from a religious or um or custom tradition perspective um and so my advice would be to open up dialogue you know and talk about these things and um and and don't think that you can't talk about them um, because actually it's much more productive and much more inclusive if you do talk about them. Amazing. That is, uh, I, every time I talk to both of you, I learn so much and I really mean that. Um, I'm going to summarise now because I could carry on talking to you both about this for quite some time. Um, I've just written some summary headlines for us to kind of take away if that's okay. I've I've written one of the most important things for me to understand is getting to know your IMG. Um help them make sure that they can bring food into the surgery. I will be very grateful of that for one, and I suspect most staff will be as well. Um, Getting to know them, ask them about their background, be interested, be open. Um, And as as an English, uh, British trained graduate, 
be aware of your own idiosyncrasies and your own cultural norms. Um, Alex talks about the way in which we describe things in our own language, our idioms. Um, for example, the way we use pleases and thank yous and sorries. Understand that that difference is an English difference um, and that people are getting to learn about uh, our cultural norms. IMGs, don't be afraid to ask, um, especially read re the language idioms. If someone says something, you think, what the devil are they talking about? Ask, write a little list of things that you may have heard. And then also listen and learn through observation. Sharj uh, described standing in the uh, playground waiting for your children and just listening to the way that people might interact and, and hope to learn from that. Um, make allowances in your practices, especially initially, understanding the level of stress an IMG may be feeling, um, especially at the outset. And then not shying away from the religious side of things, actually asking about religious holidays, plan with the IMG about their um, religious holidays and their requirements and needs and share this with staff so that those staff also understand. But for me, the bottom line and one of the most important bits here is talk, talk, talk. Don't be afraid of the subjects. Make sure that your IMG and your staff and your teams are all part of the conversation because that way everyone will understand the role that they play in making IMGs part of our lovely culturally diverse society and our workplace. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Sarge, Sarge, so much for that time. It's been a fascinating conversation and I know there's much more to add. Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.